Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Hello and welcome to Book Talk. And today I am excited because many of you have asked for this chat and I'm delighted to bring Danny Petrie to you today. And many of you love romantic suspense and you have made Danny a best-selling author consistently. So I am delighted to be able to have Danny on today. Danny, do you want to take just a minute? to introduce yourself to those who may not somehow have discovered your books yet. Sure. Um, so I'm Danny. Um, I write for Bethany House Fiction. I write romantic suspense, romantic adventure. Um, I am a mom, a wife, a grandma, and uh, owner of a 200-pound Newfoundland who thinks he's a lap dog. That's kind of crazy. A 200-pound dog who wants to sit in your lap. Yeah. Yeah, he he call that a horse. like he does lay on my lap, but it's only a really small portion of him. So <laughs> I'm surprised more Newfoundlands don't show up in your books. I, you know what? One's coming. One's okay, coming. that that makes sense. And yeah. I love how you describe it because you write romantic suspense, but then some of your books really are what I would call more that romantic adventure, where it's that feel of there's suspense, but there's also that element of the main characters versus nature as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love writing about the outdoors. I love adventure myself. And so I always try to put something in that I've done or something I'd love to do one day or something I just think is amazing, but would never try. So <laughs> it's a combo. Yeah, well, and you've had books that were set in Alaska and yeah. the most recent series was set on like the coast of Virginia. But where's the most fun that you've had writing a series so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say uh, Alaska was really, really fun. Mm -hmm. I've had a great, I had a great time writing about Alaska. I found it fascinating. And um, while I've never been there, I, I had people who lived there help me. Um, and it was just like their history was amazing. How one area from another differs so much in culture and landscape and um, it's a great place for adventure. So that was probably my favorite setting so far. That's really, I, that's really interesting. And I was going to ask if you'd been there because I think it would be fun to visit, but I don't know that I'd want to live there. You know, the 24 <laughs> hours of darkness and stuff like that, I think would be so hard. It would. I, and I'm a beach girl. Like I love the beach. Yeah. So, um, I like warmth. So that, that would definitely between the 24 hours of darkness and the cold, I wouldn't make it. Yeah, feet of snow, all of that. Yeah, nice no. to visit, maybe. But yes. um, so your most recent series has been set on kind of the Virginia Beach part of the coast along Virginia, the Coastal Guardian series. And why did you decide that? Because you're a California girl. Oh, actually, I'm a Virginia girl and then New Mexico girl. And then um, we vacation, it's actually like right below the coast of Virginia in Northern North Carolina, where the Coastal Guardians takes place. Um, I did have a series that took place in Maryland and Virginia. And then this okay. one 
is set um, in Wilmington, North Carolina and Topsdale. Right. But if you go up high enough in the Outer Banks, you really hit the Virginia state line. Like we've gone up on the beach that far and you can just literally see the line like they have a um, like a rail there and you're like, oh, one foot over and you're in Virginia. So um, that's where it's taking place. And it's because we vacation there every year. Um, and I love the area. So I was like, I know the area, we visit the area, I love the area, it would be a fun place to set a new series. That's awesome. And I must have been thinking about that earlier series, because you did yeah. have a home set in Virginia. I did. And both of them are so much fun, because we lived in the D.C. area for okay. a number of years. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so it's, it's fun, because then I feel like, oh, I'm kind of back home. And then North Carolina is just an amazing state. And I always feel like with your books, I'm transported to the oh, location. Thank you. So how do you decide on that? Because the, each of those areas is very different. Mm -hmm. And that comes across because it would be really easy to go. A beach is a beach is a beach. Right. And they're not. No. And that comes out even in the plot and in the types of crimes that are happening. So what was the biggest change going from Virginia Beach down to the Carolina coast? That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, you're right. Yes. Beaches vary <laughs> greatly. Um, and so, you know, growing up for part of the time in Northern Virginia, we went to the Virginia beaches, Maryland beaches. And then uh, my husband and I, for family vacations, we go to North Carolina and there's such a difference in the beaches, like you're saying. Um, the ones in North Carolina, particularly the Outer Banks are very rugged. You've got these big dunes and seagrass and you know the shells that wash up are way bigger. Um, and they're all beautiful, they're just very different. And so going from a culture of Virginia where I was very familiar um, to North Carolina where we visit, it took a lot of extra research and extra time down there. So whenever we'd go over for a vacation, I would do research and I would read books and we'd go into Wilmington and we'd go to all the beaches. And there's always so much, I love research and there's so much to learn. So like we went on, even though we'd been down there a lot, we went on kind of like the beginner boat tour and we went on history walks and we went on all these things to really get a feel for the area outside of things we could just kind of see, if that makes sense. It does. And what a great way to kind of immerse yourself in a place that you think you know, and really get the flavor and the feel of what locals would know and just kind of kind of soak into it and mm -hmm. have it kind of ooze out in natural ways in your characters. Yeah. So with the Coastal Guardian series, um, one of the things that I think of as a hallmark of your books, and not just the series, but really all of them, is the fact that you don't just write the hero and heroine perspective or with romantic suspense. Often there will be the villain's perspective. Your books, you're bouncing in and out of multiple perspectives, which makes the whole series kind of fun because you never really walk away from your favorite characters. They, You keep kind of getting to experience where they are from their perspective across the whole series. How did that come to be kind of a hallmark of your writing? Because it is different from how a lot of books in the genre, particularly in the Christian fiction market, mm -hmm. are written. Uh, great question. So uh, when I started my first book with Bethany House, um, I didn't intentionally do it, to be honest. I was writing the hero and the heroine, Colin Bailey's story. And Cole's younger sister, Piper, just kept popping up. Her and Landon just kept piping, popping up in my mind. 
And at one scene, I just started telling her point of view and then his point of view. And I just added it in. And my editors were like, we're not sure what to do with this. And I was like, well, I really like their story. Mm-hmm. I, I, they're going to be the main characters in the next one. I, I think we can we keep them in? And they said, yes. So we did. And it's kind of evolved from that, that I just, I really enjoy telling multiple character stories just at different levels. So Mm -hmm. hopefully the hero and heroine stay kind of the top. And there's always a villain, like you mentioned. And then there's usually secondary characters. And I just like to kind of get a feel for other people in, you know, their lives or on their team or in their family. Yeah, because I'm actually looking back at book three from the mm-hmm. Coastal Guardians and mm-hmm. Noah finally got his story. Yes. I felt like I'd kind of gotten to know him. So by the time it's his story, it was like, well, of course, it's about time. I've right. been waiting for this book because I knew him. And then Brooke has her point of view. And again, I didn't know her probably as well. For some reason, it didn't right. feel like it. But yet, it made sense. And it just was this very natural, but you're kind of going back and forth and you never feel like you have to say this hard goodbye to the characters from the other books which is kind of nice yeah it is it's nice I I enjoy writing that way I often will actually have more point of view characters that my editors kind of ex-nay and say okay we're gonna keep it at five or six or something like that so um I just tend to kind of go into that as I'm exploring the story so well I've got it finally down to a kind of no more than five numbers. So <laughs> yeah. So how do you decide which characters are the one? Because it sounds like many of them are trying to raise their hand and say, no, yeah. I need I need a scene in this. Mm-hmm. So how do you decide which ones other than the hero and heroine are going to be the three or four mm-hmm. that get to be part of the telling the story? Sure. Um, for me, it's honestly who's speaking the loudest as I'm writing my first draft. Um, I don't plan it ahead of time um, with the secondary characters. Um, and the villain kind of naturally just evolves and whichever characters are speaking the loudest, I stick with them. And you know, to readers that probably sounds so weird because yes. <laughs> we're like, well, characters just kind of talk to us, but it right. really is what happens. And how do you, um, you know, as you're seeing the story or as you're hearing the story, like to me, I was, I often, once I'm really immersed in the story, I'll almost see it playing out. And I remember when I first read um, a, an author who was saying like, they just kind of type down the movie as they're seeing it in their head. And I was like, yeah. that is so weird. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that's actually kind of what's happening when I'm writing is I'm kind of seeing it. I'm just trying to capture a lot of what I'm kind of seeing or hearing play out in my mind. Right. Is that how it happens for you? Or do you have, are you one of those who really details it out ahead of time? What's kind right. of your style? So my style is to do research on something related to the location, the crime, the character's job, perhaps, and that's it. And then I sit down and start writing. I don't plot out or outline or any of that. I did kind of quote unquote storyboard, not with real picture drawing because I draw stick figures, but like with, you know pictures off of Pinterest and Mm -hmm. I would write kind of like sticky notes and I kind of would put like major events on them. Um, I was talking with a good friend um, and fellow author Becky Wade and we were saying 
it's kind of like I call them stepping stones and she'd heard the analogy of it being the mountaintop so you know a few things but you have all the fun in the valley where you can't see what's going to happen and mm. even the mountaintops kind of shift in my story so it's definitely once I sit down and start writing it just kind of runs like a movie in my head I definitely write multiple drafts because I don't outline so you know, I at least have three drafts going before my, you know, first draft is turned in and, and you kind of get to know the story more through each draft. Yeah. Whereas I try to have one really clean draft Yeah, because I'm usually on such a tight deadline that I have mm -hmm. to make it all count at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so that means I have to do more of the pre-work. Sure which doesn't feel like work because I'm yeah. not sitting there like actively typing, but I've learned I can be faster in the writing if that's the way I do it. But yeah. I think that's what's so interesting is everybody's process is different it and is. none of them are wrong and none of them yeah. are right. It's just, everybody has to find their way to do it. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I often wish that I did outline <laughs> and that it was faster, but I, I've tried it just didn't quite click with me, but you're right. There's no right or wrong way. I mean, I think you know, everybody has, God's made us all unique. We're all going to tell a story different. And, you know, it's something resonates with you. That's what you do. So. Yeah, absolutely. So when you are coming up on a, a story, mm -hmm. um, cause like you're kind of in transition right now, you've got a novella that's coming out. Yes. Um, that's kind of wrapping up the coastal guardian series. Oh. And so people who are listening need to go out and grab it because <laughs> it's Logan's story and it's going to wrap up um, the series that people have been reading and enjoying, and then you're getting ready to start a new one. How do you make that transition? Because you've just spent probably two and a half, three years with characters and in a setting where mm -hmm. you've been immersed. Mm -hmm. And now you have to kind of come out of the fog and mm -hmm. shift to a new location. Yes, it, it is a big shift. Um, I have always written not even intentionally, but water settings. And for my new series, it's going to be set in Arizona in the desert. So it's very different for me. Uh, I spent seven years living in New Mexico and I loved it. And so I wanted to kind of share the Southwest. Um, and we ended up my, you know, my editor and I kind of brainstormed a little bit about it. And we ended up settling on Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, and a fictional town outside of it called Jeopardy Falls, which is a series name. And it definitely was a massive shift. You know, I mean, I knew all my characters. I knew the location. It was like starting from scratch. So research went into that big time. And I'm still researching aspects of it. I've been to Arizona multiple times, but there's still so much to learn. So I'm enjoying it. But yeah, it, it's a big transition when you are, you know, you're, naming restaurants and townspeople and yeah. all the new characters and like, you know, thinking, why aren't they at the beach? There is no beach. Okay. So they're up in the mountains, you know, that type of thing. It's definitely a big shift, uh, especially when you are, and I know, you know, this, when you're doing like final edits on one, like the last novel in the series, and you're writing the first draft of the first novel in the next series, that can get really confusing at times, you know, to juggle. Yeah, yeah. And even, especially like when you're creating a new town mm -hmm. and you've got the old place, which, you know, is very much set in reality, you know, Roma right. and the beaches and all of that, which is easier using a real location or creating something out of whole cloth? That's a good question too. Wow. Um, 
I would say I have more fun with the fictional towns. Um, it's just fun to really create them and, and build them up. Um, I would say the local places might be easier if I've been there, but even then, unless you live there, it's just not quite the same. And so, and you have to be really careful. Did I say lane or street? Did I, you know, say this was in the right place? Do they eat their French fries this way? Like in Maryland, we do, uh, in Virginia, we always do um, apple cider vinegar on our fries. Yes. Don't do that other places, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's there's little things and you just might get them wrong in a real place. In a fictional place, you don't have that, but it is a lot more world building. Or you can figure out what your own version of apple cider vinegar on the face. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and that's where it can be fun, though, when you know those little details and you sprinkle them in and then people who are from there are like, how did you know to put Valentino's in? Or right. have you been here? And you're like, yes, I'm such a good researcher. Yes, I, I knew it. I got it. I nailed it. I nailed it. I was on location for a long time. So. <laughs> exactly. And that's the best feeling when you're like, yeah. Or when you haven't been there, but you've done your research and people are like, yeah. man, you must have spent a lot of time in that location. Yes. You're like, well, actually, no, but Google Earth is my friend. Right, exactly. It is. It is. That's true. So when you're creating your characters, one of the things we were chatting about right before we started recording was the challenge of names. Yes. And I don't know about you, but as I'm writing book 41, I'm about to run out of names. 41? Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. I think. What did I just finish? Five, nine, three, twelve. I just finished thirteen, and um, I guess fifteen if you count novellas. And I'm already messing names up, so I cannot imagine forty-one. That's amazing! Congratulations so on that. Thanks. So what's really funny is the book I'm getting ready to write, the heroine Charlotte. And so I was like, Oh, what name am I going to put it with? What name am I going to put it with? I came up with a name, and then I went and was like. This is seeming a little too familiar. And I went and looked at the <laughs> Henderson books and I went, oh, dang, she had a Charlotte. Now I'm blanking on what his name was. I'm like, yeah, that's, it's not an original idea, Kara. Yes. I can't do that. So no. I had to laugh. I was like, yeah. of course, no wonder it seems so perfect. Right. I, done. I know I've used names over and my editors will be like, they'll keep name sheets or I'll, I'm starting to keep better name sheets, like a database. And I'm like, okay, I used that three times. Okay, I cannot use the name Ken anymore. What else can I use? I'm just really bad with last names or secondary or like people in the town, like kind of those characters that show up but aren't around a whole lot. Those are the names I struggle with. Do you, when you're creating a series, because one of the things I'll do is I create a Pinterest board for mm -hmm. each book. And then I create like a series guide where I'll throw stuff so I can then send it to my editor, but also to help me. Like if I do a really good description of someone, I'll copy it from the book and I'll put it in the series guide. So it's really easy when I'm going to book four or whatever, I could be like, oh, this is how we describe that person. Do you do anything like that? Or do you just kind of trust that you're going to remember all the details? Good question. I do a Pinterest board. I definitely am visually you know, I lean visually. So I do a Pinterest board and I actually do like a poster board collage. I get out the glue and the scissors and I make this big collage and I keep it where I can see it. Um, but 
that's about all I do. Um, we end up kind of, as I'm going back after my first draft, we're going back through revisions. I'll start to pay more attention and note down physical things. My editor will do the same and we'll kind of compare that. But I, I've not kept um, something that really goes over all those details. I, I think I'll remember. I don't always remember. So I'll have to, you know, my editor will go, no, 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 no. You said green eyes. And I'll be like, I knew that. <laughs> so yeah. But when I'm doing a fictional place, I will make little maps of it because if I say something's on a road or, you know, diagonal across kitty corner to something, I will make maps of the downtown area and kind of where houses are and that type of thing. Very fun. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for popping on. And can you tell readers about the novella so that they can know where to go find it? Um, yeah. So they know how to wrap up Coastal Guardians and what to read while they wait for the next series. Absolutely. So it's called The Shifting Current. It is um, Coast Guard Investigative Service Special Agent Logan Perry and his fellow teammate Emmy Thornton's story. And it is a sequel to the series, but it's also a standalone. It takes place in New Mexico, where Logan's from, uh, when his grandfather is murdered. And so they're out in the desert on their own solving a case. Um, and it is available everywhere books are sold, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, it's in print, audiobook, and ebook. Yep, that's awesome. And it's going to be a great way for people who've loved the Coastal Guardian series to wrap it up and know what happened to Logan, because I was wondering, but then <laughs> also to have something to read while they're waiting for the new series, which is going to be fun because everything has been centered around water. So going okay. to Arizona, which has all kinds of really, I can just imagine all sorts of mayhem right yes. now. <laughs> so it's going to be a great location and setting oh, for that series. Hey. So. Thanks so much for joining me today, Danny. It's always great to catch up and hear what you're working on. And I hope readers enjoyed getting a chance to know more about you and your writing. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in.